Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I do not understand this football name in America. How, how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks. I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool. And hey, guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win. And then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany. But as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Well, our Denver Broncos have again left us all in a bad mood for another, what, uh, seven months until we get another chance of watching a potentially winning team. Uh, The Broncos obviously on Saturday night lost at home to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, That is definitely a sentence I wished I would never have to speak, and it's one that has not been spoken since I believe it was, what, 1991? It's been years and years and years, almost since I was born, since the Broncos lost to the Cleveland Browns, and, well, not anymore. The Broncos just 
choked. I mean, what, what, what more can be said? I mean, and, you know, I know now I'm going to be known on MHR as the guy who defended Vance Joseph, and I'm okay with that. I'm still okay with that, and we're, we're going to talk about that later. Um, but this was indefensible. It's, it's indefensible. And, and I, again, I'm a guy who, who has backed Vance Joseph. I, I've backed the decision to even keep him in 2019. Yeah, it got a lot of crap, but you can't lose to the 49ers and the Browns back-to-back games and keep your job. You can't. I, I don't think there's any way Vance Joseph stays. Before the 49ers game, I thought it was 50-50, actually maybe even 60-40 that he stayed. I thought that if the Broncos went and finished the season with a 9-7 record or 8-8, eight and eight, that he would keep his job. But you don't keep your job after losing these two games. And no matter how much of an apologist I am for the guy, you got to go. And, you know, the, the team just, they, they didn't they didn't play well enough to win. I mean, what, what more can you say? Cleveland came in and, and was the better team. And, and I think the worst thing, the saddest part of the entire situation is that the Cleveland Browns have vastly higher upside as a franchise and as a team than the Denver Broncos. If I were a head coach, I would rather play with Cleveland, or excuse me, I'd rather coach with Cleveland than with, than with the Broncos. And in fact, I would rather play with them as well. This Denver Broncos franchise has turned suddenly into an absolute disaster. They are, from top to bottom, an absolute mess. You see it on the field. You see it on the sidelines. You see it in the front office. You see it in the ownership. Everything is a mess right now. And when you lose two straight games to two of the worst teams in football, yeah, and and we just saw San Francisco come out and beat Seattle as well. So San Francisco is, is a team that is on the up and up. They're on the rise, I believe. I think they have a good coach who, yeah, I know that's pouring salt into the wounds. He could have been here in Denver. Um, but they passed on, on Kyle Shanahan and went with Vance Joseph. Either way, San Francisco is a team on the rise. Still, when they came into Denver, they were one of the worst statistical teams all around, I mean, offense, defense, everything. They were they were just not good. And it's the same with Cleveland. Cleveland had one of the worst defenses in football. I believe they were 28th ranked in the NFL. And the Broncos couldn't score on them. They scored one touchdown on the game. Two turnovers from Case Keenum. They couldn't run the ball. Phillip Lindsay, 14, 14 carries, 24 yards, 1.7 average. Now, yeah, the, the defensive line is is stacking the box. The, the the coaches have figured out that Case Keenum and the Broncos wide receivers can't get open, can't complete passes, can't move down the field with just one-on-one coverage and a single high safety. So they stack the box and stop the Broncos' most dominant player in Phillip Lindsay. And when you have a quarterback who can't take advantage of that, wide receivers in an offensive line who can't take advantage of that, you're going to have a losing team. That is, again, I'll say it over and over again, that's not only on the coach. Yes, I agree now. Vance Joseph has to be fired. You, you can't keep your job after those two losses. You can't. And, but you can't only blame Vance Joseph. There, there's so much wrong with this organization right now. And, and fans are just hating on Joseph and it's not the it's not only his fault give the guy a break come on I mean yeah he should be gone go go somewhere else and I hope he has success I do I wish him well I don't think he he's not Josh McDaniels he didn't come in here and ruin a franchise yeah he made some mistakes as a coach he made some bad decisions maybe he should have gone for it on on fourth down rather than kick a field goal but he didn't come in here with you know bad ideas and bad plans and bad Game game management and player management like Josh McDaniel. So I don't dislike the guy. 
the, the hatred and vitriol against Spanish Joseph is it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The, the disappointment should be about this team in general. It should be about the, the depth or the lack thereof that John Elway has provided for the team on offense and defense. I mean, fans just, just somehow just continually gloss over the fact that this is not a talented team. Yes, they have hope. There is hope. The 2018 draft was fantastic. You brought in a lot of good young players. But don't tell me this is a talented team that deserved to win 10 or 11 games. It's just not true. Get over it. This, this team faced one of the hardest schedules in the NFL for the entire season. They had a brutal schedule in the first half. And they were tight in most games. They suffered terrible injuries. They traded away their, their number one receiver. Their number two receiver got injured. So you're, you're playing a bunch of young guys at receiver with a quarterback who is playing in a system that doesn't even work for him. So Vance Joseph is really had his hands tied behind his back. And again, yes, he's made mistakes. That happens. Look, Greg Williams made a big mistake for the Browns and almost cost them the game. Does that mean Greg Williams is an absolute idiot and shouldn't be a coach? I don't think so. You make mistakes. Geez, Andy Reid is famous for his in-game mistakes. It's what He's done it for years, but he's still one of the best coaches in football. He's coached, what, 20 years now? And he's known for calling timeouts at the wrong time or icing the kicker at the wrong time, etc. Ask ask any Philadelphia or Kansas City fan, especially Philadelphia fans. I'll tell you, Andrew Reid made plenty of mistakes, but you know what? He's still a good coach. And just because they make boneheaded mistakes during the during the game doesn't necessarily mean they're a terrible coach. Yeah, Vance Joseph may have cost a couple of games. You know what? He didn't cost all of them. The 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 team being devoid of talent and injured at several positions has absolutely cost them. Having Case Keenum as a quarterback who you expect to bring you to the playoffs is a losing strategy. He is not talented enough to carry a team. He must be placed in a team that has the perfect situation and all he has to do is not make mistakes. And this week, his coaches, and yeah, maybe this is another mistake by Vance Joseph, told Case Keenum and publicly shamed him into being more aggressive. And you know what Case Keenum did? He was more aggressive and he made a couple terrible throws. I mean, the first interception, actually, I don't even mind. That was a great play by Jabril Peppers. The second interception was just terrible. That was one of the worst passes I've seen this season. It was thrown into triple coverage and never had a chance. But when you ask a guy who is a limited quarterback to go out there and be aggressive and make plays, it's probably going to end badly. This team was never built to win in 2018. So the question is, why do you give up on a coach when Elway knows this team was never really built to win in 2017 or 18? You can't give a coach a bad quarterback, a bad offensive line, and a secondary that when you lose one player, Chris Harris, which I, yeah, that's a huge loss, turns into an absolute sieve. Darian Stewart is not the player he used to be. Not even close. Sua Cravens was benched for some some guy off the street this week. Where, where are the strengths of this team? And there are some. You know, I like the youth, the running game. But when your running game has an offensive line that's not great, that's patchwork, that's a Frankenstein offensive line, and 
the other team just stacks the box because your quarterback can't make the right reads, can't make the right decisions, and your offensive coordinator doesn't give him a chance even to have a hot route on fourth down in the fourth quarter in your last chance. Yeah, you're going to fail. And this team failed all around, top to bottom. Coaching staff, front office, quarterback, offensive line, wide receivers, pass rushers. Yeah, Von Miller got one sack. Great. You know, they, they didn't get enough pressure on Baker Mayfield. The Cleveland Browns came into this game and they were the better team. More talented, more aggressive, more desire. And yes, part of that is on the coach. Absolutely. I'm not saying Vance Joseph is free of any blame. Sure, (laughs) blame him. But he's not the only one who should be taking it. John Elway absolutely should be taking some of the blame. And as I wrote in the preview article of this blog, there is an overall issue in this entire organization with accountability. There is no accountability. Look at the ownership. There, there, look at the, the, ins, the, the fighting and the squabbling between siblings, between cousins, between, I, I mean, brother and sister-in-law, between the, the trust of the Pat Bowen put in place and his daughters and his other daughter. And it, it's a disaster. And it's a PR nightmare for the team. And no one will take accountability. Not Joe Ellis, not the ownership. Everyone right now is selfish. And then you get this whole story coming out about how John Elway talked with Mike Shanahan, Woody Page reporting that there was secret meetings that Shanahan and Elway talked about Shanahan coming in and coaching this team starting in 2018 and perhaps bringing in free agent quarterback Kirk Cousins. And then Joe Ellis and his mouthpiece, Mike Kless, come right back and say, no, that's not what happened. They're throwing each other under the bus, right? And we're going to talk about that situation in, 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 in another segment. But the whole thing, every week I see another example of someone in this organization bad-mouthing someone else. If it's a player, if it's a coach, if it's ownership, if it's front office, there is no togetherness. There's no teamwork. It is all about me, players included, okay? Von Miller is also somebody who's out there and, yeah, Vance Joseph threw Von Miller under the bus. So Von Miller came right back and said, no, you know, pretty much I've been doing this and had success a lot longer than you have. And, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. It's still selfish. I, I don't feel any any selflessness on this team. Zero. And, and that's including guys that I have utmost respect for, like Chris Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr. from, from week one, was complaining about the coaching staff and complaining about the game plan. That's a problem. I like the guy. I I really respect Chris Harris Jr. and what he stands for for this organization. But when you have that, when you have one of your leaders coming out and complaining, that's a major issue. And and it starts when the top of the organization is doing it within themselves and within the front office, etc. This team is a disaster. All the way around. Yes, Vance Joseph, he's part of it. Bill Musgrave, part of it. Joe Woods, absolutely. 
But John Elway, Joe Ellis, the Bolin Trust, Vaughn Miller, the players, Case Keenum, the offensive line, everyone is to blame. Everyone. And the fans have got to realize that. And the fans, I've got a bone to pick with them as well. When you have an issue with what someone believes and they have a differing opinion, tough. Okay, you know, I don't, I don't, geez, I don't care if you send me hate mail. I, I actually kind of enjoy hate mail. That means people are actually reading my articles and that, that's a big deal for me. You know, I, I'm not a, come on, I'm not a big name. I don't care. I enjoy doing a podcast because I love the Broncos, just like you, just like everyone listening to this, just like everyone reading the articles. I love this team. I've loved this team for 20 years. I'm sure like many of you. I know many of you have loved this team for 50, 60 years. We all love this team. We, but, you know, if we have different ideas of what will bring them success, that's okay. I've got no problem if, if you believe that Vance Joseph should have been fired last year. You know, that's okay. That, that is a totally fair argument. But you have to be able to listen to my argument. If I say that Vance Joseph should stay because this team needs stability somewhere, there has to be stability at some phase of this organization, and right now there is none. None. John Elway, the GM, is fighting with the CEO, Joe Ellis. Joe Ellis is fighting with the, the brothers and sisters and, and, and daughters and wives of, of the true owner, Pat Bowen. Since Pat Bowen, unfortunately, God bless him, has, has declined in health and has lost his, his ability to lead the team due to Alzheimer's, this team has turned into a disaster. And the only thing that stopped them for a brief time was Peyton Manning. And do you know why this team was successful again when Peyton Manning came in? Because he brought stability. He brought accountability. He and DeMarcus Ware, they brought that leadership ability that said, we are not going to let this team make mistakes. Every single person who makes mistakes is accountable, and they held them accountable. And every player, every coach, every front office executive knew that their best players, their leaders on that team were going to hold them accountable. Now, yes, the fans should hold everyone on this team accountable, but hold yourselves accountable. Have your own opinions. That's fine. Back them up. Support them. But come on. Don't send me hate mail because I have an opinion you disagree with. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Come on. You guys are better than that. And, you know, if you have a better argument on, on the, the comment section than I do, that's great. I love MHR. I love Mile High Report because there are some really, really smart fans. There are fans who can go in the comment section and just have battle with me, with other guys on the staff, other guys and ladies on the staff who I respect hugely. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I have conversations with people on the MHR staff that are just brilliant. I mean, these, these, these are people who really know the sport, but still the fans can come right in and, and, and go toe-to-toe with these people and even win arguments. Or, or at least have great arguments. Hey, I'm fine. If you win an argument with me, if you have better points that Vance Joseph should be gone, that's cool, okay? That's fine. David, come on. G- give me the arguments. Don't just say, hey, you're an idiot. You're, you're dumb. No, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't, I don't care. I don't know you. I don't know any of you. So yeah, if you get it personal, then yeah, I'll throw it back at you. I think that's okay. 
you talk trash, I'll talk trash right back. But let's, let's, I mean, it's not even about respect. Let's just be smart. Let's listen to other opinions. Hear me out. Hear me out. And I'm going to tell you again in another segment why I think Vance Joseph, if he, he probably, he's not going to stay now, but let me give you an argument of why if they had beaten Cleveland, he should have. Okay. Hear me out. That's all I ask. Well, as I was talking with the skipper dude, and, and we were discussing the off season, the, the season, the, the the upcoming off season, what the Broncos are going to do, we had to remark that these situations, the losing teams, actually are really great for people in media or people like me who are podcasters because it just gives you unlimited material, unlimited. We can talk about this for the next seven months without stop because we can talk about who might be they bring in as coach, if they bring in somebody, how they're going to do, their old situation, why they hired them, who they should have hired, Vance Joseph, where he's going, etc. Add that to the fact that the the team is is having ownership issues that might resolve in the team being sold, it might resolve in in the, you know, brothers and sisters and, and nieces and nephews going to court and suing each other. I mean, it's gold. It's podcast. It's journalist gold. Now, that's a good thing. Sure, I, I'm I'm glad that I can be able to talk about for on end for you know whatever I want to cover this this off season. But of course, that comes at the the loss. You know the the downside that the Broncos were a bad team and will probably have their first time having losing seasons back-to-back since, I think it was 1974. <sighs> Ouch. Yeah, it's and so that hurts. But at least we have a lot to talk about, right, guys? And um, we can complain and fight and argue and, and, and hypothesize for the next year or the next six months at least. And hey, at least for people who are living in Denver and, and Denver sports fans, the Denver Nuggets are freaking awesome. And so we have some hope there. The Avalanche are also good. The Colorado Rockies have a lot of hope. So really the only team we have to worry about is the usual constant, the Denver Broncos. So we're going to talk in a segment coming up later about what the Broncos need to do, what positions they could fill. They have a lot of players going to free agency. Um, What are they going to do to fill their positions? What are they going to do to fix their glaring issues on offensive line and defensive backfield, uh, perhaps at quarterback. Um, but right now I wanted to cover this, this story that was first published and covered by Woody Page of the Colorado Springs Gazette. Uh, Woody Page, obviously a, an absolute legend in the Denver media. He's been around forever, uh, I think 40 plus years. Uh, he's a guy that I read growing up. I remember reading his, his Rockies um, stories in the newspaper, I think the Denver Post. Um, when I was little, so I, I've known him, his name forever. I loved watching him on um, Around the Horn. I, 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 I'm in Germany now, so I don't watch that anymore. I'm not sure if he's still on the show, but he was for years and years, and, and he's a funny guy. I think he's a smart guy. He's got a lot of connections, and he broke this story that, according to sources, Elway had a secret meeting with Mike Shanahan, of course, the 
mastermind, the the past coach coach of the two world uh, two World Series, two Super Bowl championship teams in the late 1990s, and Mike Shanahan and Elway talked, and and Elway considered hiring him, brought the idea to Joe Ellis, who's the CEO. And he's the guy who's pretty much running the team in place of Pat Bowen. And Joe Ellis shot down the idea and Elway ended up going with Vance Joseph. Now that was the original report from, from Woody Page in, in short, obviously. So after that came out shortly after Mike Kliss, who is kind of the mouthpiece of the Broncos organization as a reporter, put out his own piece in apparently from Joe Ellis's perspective saying, Hey, yeah, this did happen. There were talks. It was a conversation, but I just told John Elway that if you're going to fire Vance Joseph, you must do due diligence and bring in other coaches to potentially hire them. Now, I thought that that was partly due to the Rooney rule where you must interview a, a um, minority head coach um, in order to pass the rules, the Rooney rule, you must do that every time there's a head coaching vacancy. Now, I was told by one of the MHR guys that because Vance Joseph is a minority, minority coach, he already counts as the guy who has that opportunity. Now, I'm not positive that's true, um, but it, it would make sense. So maybe that rule wouldn't have taken place anyway, but it would be pretty odd. I don't know if it even is possible to go and hire a coach without interviewing others. Um, it would be very rare and very unusual. So the fact that Joe Ellis, his side, Mike Kliss's side said that, Hey, all I said was, Hey, if you're going to fire Vance Joseph, you have to do due diligence and bring in other people. And Elway eventually said, no, let's stick with, let's stick with Joseph this year and see what happens. So the story obviously went crazy. I mean, obviously on, on social media, everywhere, everybody's talking about it. It's this big deal. Everyone's hypothesizing and wondering and daydreaming about what this team could have been with with Mike Shanahan and with Kirk Cousins, because actually that's the other side of the story, according to Woody Page and others, that if Mike Shanahan had gotten the job as head coach, he could have brought Kirk Cousins along as the quarterback on a probably team-friendly deal because Cousins has a good relationship with Mike Shanahan after they worked together in Washington. Now, who knows, again, if that's the case, uh, that that's... That's the the theory. Uh, that's according to Woody Page. And so everyone's going crazy. What would this team have been with Shanahan and Cousins instead of Joseph and Keenum? Now, I don't think you can argue that this team would be better with Joseph and Keenum because, well, they didn't do very well. They had two straight losing seasons, or they probably will. I, I don't see the Broncos winning their, their last two games, but at best, they're going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. So would Shanahan have done better than 8-8? Eight and eight? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's hard to argue. But more of the question is, I mean, if even if this happened, if you brought in Mike Shanahan, is he a guy you want here for the future? Because again, this team has to have stability. Eventually, you must give a coach a chance to fail. They didn't give it to Vance Joseph. Jeez, Vance Joseph never got a break from day one. From day one. The fans didn't like him from the start. And I think that that immediately threw Elway off and Elway regretted the decision immediately. It's what it seems like, right? I mean, 
Vance Joseph was never a guy that anyone ever gave a chance. You, I mean, you can't give a coach just two years, and even when the team improves in record, even if the coach makes mistakes, you can't tell me you gave him enough rope to have a chance. I mean, some people would say you give him enough rope to hang himself, but I don't think he was bad enough to say, nope, you're done. You're you're the worst coach in history. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are saying that. I, I just don't think it's true. The guy made mistakes. Yes, he probably even lost a few games single-handedly, but eventually you have to stick with a coach. You have to say, okay, he's going to lose us games. He's going to win us some. We have to grow with him. If you're not going to do it with Vance Joseph, you have to pick someone to do it with. Now, Mike Shanahan, yeah, he was a great Broncos coach. He had great teams back in the 1990s with John Elway, with Gary Kubiak. But he hasn't had success in the NFL for years, for like 20 years. He's won, I think, one playoff game. He won one playoff game in 10 years with Denver, went to Washington, and didn't have much more success there either. Kirk Cousins is a guy who's never won anything. He's this big name, and he's, he's sometimes has had success in the regular season. And he puts up big numbers. He's never succeeded. He, he's not a guy who's won much. So he's, he's always this name that never really pans out. I think Kirk Cousins might be the most overrated player in the NFL, one of them, and he's proven it this year in Minnesota. He's gone to Minnesota and has been a worse quarterback than Case Keenum. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. They've been a worse team. And that was with Dave Filippo as offensive coordinator, who was thought of as one of the top offensive minds in football. And you mean to tell me that all of a sudden he just forgot how to coach and Kirk Cousins became worse under Dave Filippo? Okay. Maybe Kirk Cousins isn't that good. Maybe Kirk Cousins is not clutch. Maybe he's a guy who doesn't perform under pressure. Much like Case Keenum. I mean, maybe they're both just not very good quarterbacks. And it's, again, an overarching problem in the NFL that there are not many good quarterbacks. Joe Flacco is probably going to be released by the Baltimore Ravens, and I bet you Broncos fans, a lot of them are going to want him, but he's not a very good quarterback. I don't think he's ever been a very good quarterback. Now, he had one great offseason where he was unbelievable, and they won the Super Bowl. But it was definitely more an oddity than the norm. So this whole situation, again, I'm, I'm kind of going off track here. Too many things to talk about. See, it, it, there's just too much. But the whole issue, and, and I kind of brought it down to, to three or four possible scenarios about why this story is spreading about John Elway and Mike Shanahan and Joe Ellis. Why is that released right now? Don't tell me these things are released on accident. The Woody Page has known this for a year and just decided right now to release it. There is always a reason. There's always someone saying, hey, release this thing now. Someone in the organization. Woody Page says he has five sources. How many people do you think were even in this secret meeting? <laughs> I mean, if it's a secret meeting and you have five sources from it, well, that's not a very secret meeting, right? So, I mean, if there are five sources, clearly someone is letting this leak. Leaks are almost always allowed. The team or someone high up is allowing it to leak. So that's my question. Where is the leak coming from? Who wants it to leak? My number one, my, my, my first theory is that this is a Mike Shanahan revenge leak. Mike Shanahan being upset that his former team, the team that he led to glory to two Super Bowl championships, spurned him 
and have not really had a good relationship with him since Joe Ellis took over the team. Joe Ellis and Shanahan clearly don't really get along, don't see eye to eye. And then the Broncos interviewed Shanahan's son, who is a very bright up-and-coming head coach, was an offensive coordinator for many teams, and the Broncos spurned him as well. And so maybe Mike Shanahan had enough of it. And, you know, maybe he and Elway bumped into each other at Shanahan's steakhouse. And, and you know, they're friendly enough that Elway went up to him and said, hey, you know, so hypothetically, hypothetically, would you be interested in coaching? And Shanahan said, yeah, sure. And maybe I could bring in cousins. And maybe Elway said, hey, you know, that's a good idea. You know, I, I want a I quarterback. I don't love Vance Joseph after one year. Maybe, maybe it would work. And then, Van, and then John Elway went to Joe Ellis, and Joe Ellis said, yeah, okay, I mean, I, I'd think about it, but you can't just hire Shanahan without going through the process. And that process is not fun. I mean, it's bringing in a bunch of coaches. It's, it's a, it's a time-consuming thing. It's stressful. You have to do just unending research. You have to make sure you make the right decision. Mike Shanahan has not been successful for, for 20 years in the NFL, and Elway probably thought about it and said, yeah, okay, you know, maybe we should, we should go advance Joseph at least another year. Come on, you can't, you can't fire a guy after one year. If you fire Vance Joseph after one year, you are admitting that you made a terrible hire. Why did you hire Vance Joseph in the first place if you're already ready to fire him after one season when the team was clearly in rebuild and had Trevor Simeon as, as, as your quarterback? Come on, you, you have to give Vance Joseph at least two years. And I think two years is enough, but again, I digress. So I think that's possible. That That's my scenario one, that Shanahan, after this conversation with Elway, he saw that it wasn't going to go anywhere, that he assumed Joe Ellis shot it down, and so he leaked it at the worst possible moment for the Broncos in order to, to get revenge and to get his name back in the coaching ring around the NFL. I think that's definitely possible. I, I've, I, I know that Woody Page and Mike Shanahan have a relationship. They've, they go way back. And, you know, Shanahan could have been the, the leak to him that said, hey, yeah, we had this conversation, and then Joe Ellis shot it down. I think that's a very possible theory. Uh, theory number two, John Elway again, had this conversation. No one denies this conversation happened, right? So the, absolutely, Elway and Shanahan discussed this. That is not debatable, as far as I can tell. So they discussed it. So Elway had this conversation with Mike Shanahan. Maybe he called Shanahan and said, hey, let's meet. I want to talk to you about something. And they, they you know, over a couple beers or some, or a whiskey at Shanahan's or a steak, whatever, they, they, they discussed it and said, you know, kind of the same conversation as I had before. You know, what do you think? Elway went to Ellis and Ellis, you know, again said, Hey, you know, I don't know. I don't love it, but we could think about it, but you'd have to bring in others to interview. And so Elway said, yeah, okay, let's keep VJ. We have to give Joseph another chance. And now, now that the season hasn't worked out, now that Vance Joseph hasn't worked out and the fans are up in arms against Vance Joseph and then against Elway, Elway decided Right after this brutal loss that ended the season, that ended the playoff hopes, Elway decided to be selfish and save face. And in order to do so, he threw his boss, Joe Ellis, under the bus. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And so the whole conversation happened, and Elway just decided right now, hey, let's leak this to Woody Page. It's going to make Ellis look bad. It's going to make me look good because as John Elway, I tried. I tried to bring in Mike Shanahan. I tried to fix this coaching situation, and my boss said no. Joe Ellis is an idiot, and it's his fault. And I'm John Elway, and I'm the greatest, and I should not take the blame. I think that's also plausible. All right, number three theory. Same scenario, Elway saves face, except it's also with the approval of Joe Ellis. Elway and Ellis have no problems with each other. Ellis said, hey, you know what? The fans don't even know who I am, so I will fall on the sword. Let's save face for John Elway because Elway is the face of this franchise. John Elway wants to look good again in the faces of the, or in the minds of the potential head coaching candidates. And so, boy, now that I'm even saying that, I'm thinking maybe it doesn't look good. If, if, if again, if, if it comes out that John Elway was willing to fire Vance Joseph after one season, ah, man, I'm, I'm talking myself out of this theory because that doesn't look good. Who, who's going to want to come in here and coach this team when you, when you were thinking about firing a guy after one season with Trevor Simeon as the quarterback he was given? Wow. I think I just decided it's not option two or three. Or Elway's just dumb, which I don't think is the case. So you know, I, I apologize now that I'm saying this out loud. I had thought this through. I'd even written it out. But now that I'm talking it through, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because you want to bring in a coach that wants to coach in Denver. You can't make it look like you have no chance. You have to give a, a coach a chance to build a team, to build around his team. Wow. Okay, so option four. Let's, let's, I guess let's throw away option two and three. Option four, as I've heard several people say in the media, I heard Adam Schefter on 104.3 The Fan in Denver say that it's a nothing burger. This is a nothing burger. And that was my first reaction was that Woody Page is is pulling stuff out of his hat and saying, hey, yeah, look, I've got five sources, and they had a secret meeting. First of all, aren't all meetings with GMs and, and, and other coaches secret? Why is it secret? Everything's secret. I mean, it's not like John Elway calls Woody Page and says, hey, bro, want to come over and, and talk about our future head coach? No, that's not what happens. Everything is secret until... Elway and the Broncos decide to release it. So the whole top secret idea is just clickbait. It's, it, it doesn't make sense. Now, it's probably what happened. And this totally makes sense to me. That John Elway, in passing, went to, to Shanahan. They talked about it. They said, hey, this could be an idea. Elway brought it to Joe Ellis. Joe Ellis said, hey, yeah, maybe. I, I'm, it's worth uh, and I, you know, a shot, but you have to interview other people. Elway said, no, doesn't make sense. You know, But it was worth a, a quick discussion because he could have brought Kirk Cousins. Nothing burger. And I think in the end, that's what this probably is. This is Woody Page probably, you know, hearing things from Mike Shanahan, who just wants to, you know, screw over the franchise that screwed him over. So it's a mix of one and four. Shanahan revenge leak and really nothing that really matters. But unfortunately for the Broncos, it does matter because it throws shade on the franchise, on John Elway, on Joe Ellis, and it's only going to hurt them in the future. And Woody Page, selfishly, as we've seen over and over and over, to get clicks, to get likes, whatever, through this organization under the bus, 
and it appears to me so did Mike Shanahan. Up next, Skipper Dude is going to kind of bring this whole idea into a a syndrome. He's gonna he calls it the Frank Solich syndrome, and how a past Nebraska Cornhuskers head coach and the, the failure of the Cornhuskers for over 20 years could come back and affect the Broncos in exactly the same scenario. Very interesting segment. Listen to Skip Dude up next. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today we're going to talk about a phenomenon that I like to call the Frank Solich Syndrome. My, my premise today is pretty simple and straightforward. Yes, after losing to the Browns and dropping the Broncos to 6-8 and eight for the season, Vance Joseph is likely to be fired and not come back as head coach for the 2019 season. But... If you think that Vance Joseph is the only or at least the biggest problem for the Broncos in 2018, and you think that firing him will be a step forward for the Denver Broncos organization, then I have news for you. Number one, the problems with the Broncos right now go way deeper than Vance Joseph, which we'll explore. And number two, because of the deeper system, systematic problems facing the Broncos right now, your chances of finding a head coach who's better than Vance Joseph are probably less than 50-50. Okay, so so here's some good news for, for you Bronco fans. If, if you are a, a Bronco fan who, who also happens to despise the University of Nebraska football program, um, the first part of the segment is going to kind of warm your heart I- anyway. So as most of you know, the golden age of, of Big Red football really began about 1962 under head coach Bob Devaney. Bob Devaney had 11 seasons in Lincoln. The, the Huskers won eight big, cha- eight big eight championships and two national championships. And then Devaney was, was replaced by Dr. Tom, Tom Osborne, who took over in 1973. And in 25 years, he won another 12 big eight and big, or big 12 championships and three national championships, 1994, 1995, and 1997. Now, one thing I've learned in 30 years in the business world in my own life is that a big part of your own personal success is going to be strangely tied to the size of the shoes you're filling when you take on a new job. So if you're if you take a job that replaces a total loser, as I, I've been fortunate to do a couple times, you can fill his or her shoes with just above average work, and you'll be a hero. Replace a rock star, and you're pretty well doomed to failure, no matter how well you actually do in your job. So in Lincoln, Dr. Tom retired after the 1997 season, having won three national championships in four years. And the poor schlub who had the unfortunate job of having to fill Dr. Tom's shoes was a longtime assistant coach named Frank Solich. And in all honesty, Solich did a pretty good job of continuing the Dr. Tom legacy. He, he went 9-4 and four and had a top 10 rank in 1998, 12-1, Big 12 champions in 1999, um, 10 and 2 in 2000, 11 and 2 in 2001, both with top 10 final rankings. But then the wheels kind of fell off in 2002, and the Huskers fell to 7 and 7. And, and now, obviously, this did not sit well with the UNL leadership, who at that point would have found probably found 7 and 7 unacceptable, if not even intolerable. And, and of course, rather than blaming some natural dynasty fatigue 
uh, on their slide out of the top 10. Instead, they blamed Frank Solich, probably put him on a very short leash. So five seasons for Frank Solich, three top 10 finishes in the Big 12 championship, but he was simply not Dr. Tom or Bob Devaney. But so in, in 2003, Solich led the Huskers to a fairly mediocre 9-3 start that left them toward the bottom of the top 25, and Solich was fired. The Huskers won their final game, the Alamo Bowl, and finished 10-3 and in a number 19 ranking. But now you can be certain that at this point there was plenty of confidence, if not even some arrogance, among the UNL front office, quote-unquote, that... that and they, they probably felt pretty certain that they could just find their new Dr. Tom because, of course, they were the University of Nebraska, and the University of Nebraska had been great for 30 years, and there was a certain feeling of birthright that the wild success that they had in the 60s and 70s was just a head coach away. I mean, they, they were just, you know, they were the University of Nebraska. But as they started their head coach search, something strange happened. Nobody applied. And, and it, it for, in fact, it became a discussion item nationally, I think, among national, the, the, the inner circle of head coaches. And, and, and I remember a reporter picking up on this discussion and, and actually asking on, on live TV, a, a big time, one of the big time head coaches at, at um, the time, I don't remember the name, but, but he asked if he'd be re- applying for the Nebraska head coach job. And I think that the, the head, this head coach's reply had to send shockwaves all through Nebraska. The head coach said, who wants to go and coach somewhere where you get fired for going 10-3? and three? Think about that. And, and surely enough, nobody of any note applied for the job. So UNL basically scraped the bottom of the barrel, having nobody of note who would apply. They found nothing among even the scrapings at the bottom of the barrel. And then they called on Bill Callahan, who was pretty well in embarrassment with the Raiders, and had been fired after going 4-12, and completely losing the locker room in Oakland in 2003. And, and Callahan started a, a descent into mediocrity for the, for the Huskers. He, he went 5-6, and six, and then 8-4, and 9-5, and 5-7 five, five and over his four years. And, and only once in those four years did he finish in the top 25. In fact, it was at number 24. So Callahan then uh, left and, and gave way to Bo Pelini, who, who was better, 67-28 over, over seven years. Pelini gave way to Mike Riley, who was 19-19 over three years, definitely sliding into mediocrity. And that led to Scott Frost, who came in with basically no talent with his team, went 4-8 and eight this year in, in 2018. So, so you can see that, that really starting with the firing of Frank Solich, the, the University of Nebraska started a downward spiral into mediocrity, that even today, 15 years later, they have not gotten away from or got not, not gotten out of. So now let's bring this back to the Broncos and Vance Joseph. Guys, the Bron- Denver Broncos organization right now is a mess. Our 30 years of almost nonstop success was the result of two men, mostly, Pat Bolin and John Elway. And one of them, Mr. B, is gone. And where we had arguably the greatest owner in NFL history for the better part of 30 years, That's been replaced by a bunch of snot-nosed, silver-spoon trust fund babies who are going to end up, I think, spending more time launching lawsuits at each other than running the team if they're allowed to stay in power. And in addition to the smoking hole in ownership, 
The Broncos have no long-term answer quarterback, no legitimate prospects at quarterback for 2019 beyond Case Keenum. So one thing we can say about St. Vance Joseph with absolute 100% certainty, he's not going to go 10-3 and this year and get fired, right? If he gets fired, it won't be a perfect example of Frank Solich syndrome, but there are two thoughts I want to leave you with here. Number one, the problems with the Denver Broncos go way deeper than Vance Joseph. If you think that a new head coach and a new scheme is going to fix the ownership situation or suddenly turn Case Keenum into the second coming of Tom Brady, then you're dreaming. VJ may make a great scapegoat, I suppose, but replacing him is not going to get this team any closer to the Super Bowl. And number two, and this is actually probably more important, picture yourself for a moment as a big up-and-coming head coaching prospect. Joe DiFilippo, um, Lincoln Riley, Zach Taylor, e. Eric Bieniemy. You have three options to choose from right at the moment. And of course, you'll have more after December 31st. But right now, let's say that we fire St. Vance Joseph and, and we end up with three options, Green Bay, Cleveland, and Denver. Okay, Green Bay has one of the best ownership situations in the NFL, being publicly owned and, and great oversight to that, to that front office. And they have at least a few more years with a legendary quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Cleveland is, as always, of course, their front office is a train wreck, kind of ha always has been. But they also have an up-and-coming team with a bright young quarterback in Baker Mayfield and a stud defender in Miles Garrett. What does Denver have to recommend itself to you right now? A few more years of Von Miller, Philip Lindsay, John Elway in the front office. Why would you choose Denver over either Green Bay or Cleveland if you're a hot coaching prospect? Is it because of some birthright that Denver has to be a great organization? You know, not not since um, Pat Bolin has, has ceased to be active in the front office. Well, you're saying it can't get any worse than Vance Joseph. But guys, that's exactly what the University of Nebraska said about Frank Solich when he went 7-7 seven and seven in 2002. It just can't get any worse. But guess what? It did. It got much, much worse for the Big Red over the, over the coming years. So, Kevin, I'd propose to you that the only thing separating the Broncos right now from teams like the Raiders and Browns is John Elway. He, I believe, is managing to hold together a semblance of stability in light of the awful, awful ownership situation above him and the lack of a franchise quarterback beneath him. If you get rid of VJ right now, don't be surprised if this becomes the Denver Broncos' Frank Solich moment. And rather than the next head coach bringing us back to Super Bowl contention, he doesn't drive us into perpetual mediocrity instead. Kevin, back to you. So really interesting idea from from Skipper Dude, and I think he's right. And I think that the the team and everything that they stand for right now is a, is a real issue, and it's a real issue because nobody is going to want to come and coach here. And that's added onto the fact that there are some really really good job opportunities opening up. There's a job opportunity for a head coach in Green Bay to coach Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's that's plush. That's as plush as you get. Everyone wants to go and coach one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation. Now, there's also the job in Cleveland. Now, I never in my lifetime thought I would say that it would be a better job to be the head coach in Cleveland than it would be in Denver, but I think that's absolute fact right now. 
fact, because Bruce Arians, a respected head coach, a guy who's been doing color commentary for, I don't remember, CBS, somebody this year, and a respected head coach who's had a lot of success, he has said that he would only come back to coach the Cleveland Browns. Only. He's not interested in any other job. He would only have an interview with the Browns. That speaks everything to me. That's, That's a nightmare for this franchise. A nightmare. I mean, fans should be freaking out. Because, again, why do you want to come coach here? First of all, there's a rumor right now that the head coach only had one year and was potentially going to be fired after one season with Trevor Simeon. Bad news. If I'm a head coach, no way. Number two, there are plenty of rumors that John Elway dips his fingers where he really shouldn't. He's making too many decisions. The coaches don't have enough say. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's a rumor. And I think it's a widespread rumor. And so coaches at least are going to think twice about it and say, hey, you know, I don't want a GM who's going to try to tell me what to do as a coach. I have to have the freedom. If the, co- if the GM hires me, I have the freedom to run my style, to run my team the way I feel is best. Number three, there is no stability, no accountability, no, no teamwork, no selflessness in this organization, top to bottom, ownership's a mess, front office is a mess, etc. Who wants to coach in Denver? I think it is one of the least attractive jobs in the NFL, period. Period. They don't have high draft picks. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offensive line. Brutal. Brutal. I I mean, and so this is part of my whole reasoning of defending Vance Joseph because you're going to go out and hire somebody who probably isn't one of the best coaches available because the best coaches available don't want this job. Bruce Arians is proof of that. So unless John Elway can somehow pull something under his hat from from his hat and add some, I don't know, connection, then bring in some respected good coach that you're sure is going to at least bring some sort of stability to this organization, why is any other head coach better than Vance Joseph? Tell me. Jim Schwartz, he's been one of the guy rumored to to be in the the sights for the Broncos head coaching job if Vance Joseph is fired. Schwartz hasn't had success anywhere. Schwartz is, he was more of a laughing stock than Vance Joseph, right? I, I think so. You remember the whole handshake deal with Jim Schwartz? I don't even remember who the other coach was. I remember Jim Schwartz. I think he's kind of regarded as a clown at times. I think he's a good defensive mind, but there are so many of these guys that you could bring in. I mean, Dave Filippo, okay, maybe he had a high regards until this season when he was fired after the team brought in a Guy who should have been a better quarterback into Minnesota. So who's better? Who's going to come in and 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 absolutely lead this team to to victory, to lead this team to future success? I don't know. Mike Shanahan ain't coming back. It's not going to be Mike Shanahan. Get over it. That's not happening. No way. No way. Especially not now. And it wasn't happening before. Come on. This, this whole like, that story we talked about before, sure, I cover it because everyone's talking about it. It's, it's nothing burger. It was never going to happen. It was probably some random conversation in Elway brought to Joel said, hey, you know, if we brought in Shanahan, maybe Cousins comes. Okay, so get over Mike Shanahan. Who's coming in? Eric B. Enemy from, from Kansas City? 
a guy who's who's kind of known for being a little having some screws loose, you know, being a high temper guy, a college guy. Maybe he's good at calling plays, but you you don't bring in these coaches from underneath these brilliant-minded coaches and think they're going to have success. Yeah, Peterson had it with with Philadelphia last season, but they're not that good this year. Maybe that was another flash in the pan. That was a New York Giants type issue where everything went right. Every bounce went in the direction of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that's probably the case. These disciples of, of great head coaches typically don't work. Typically. Not always. Bill O'Brien has been very good in Houston, especially lately. But look at the whole dis- disciple tree of, of Bill Belichick. It's famous. Famous for being terrible. So, so give me a guy you're sure is going to come in here and have success. A college pl- coach? That never works. I think the one coach ever to have success doing that was Jim Harbaugh. And he's actually one guy that I am interested in. A guy who I think, if he would come back, could kick this organization into shape and bring respectability. Yes, he's also a little crazy. But I think he's a guy who who kicks the team in the pants and who immediately makes us a better team. And he has some connections with Elway through Stanford, etc. So he's a guy... I think could be an upgrade, but otherwise, yeah. What what are you going to do? I, I would love. Come on, please read or listen to this podcast and then comment. Tell me who is a better option than Vance Joseph. I know you hate Joseph. I, I, whatever, okay, get over it. I I, I don't care. I, I know everyone but me and maybe 0.1 percent of fans hate Vance Joseph. That's fine, okay. I don't even care anymore. And I know you don't care that I don't think so. Whatever, that's past. He's gone. So who can you bring in who's going to be better? You have to bring in someone who's going to bring stability. And I don't see it happening because no one wants to coach here. Thanks, John Elway. Thanks, Joe Ellis. Thanks, Woody Page. Thanks, Bolin Trust. Ever since Pat Bolin and the flash in the pan that was Peyton Manning, who brought accountability, this team's an embarrassment. The franchise is an embarrassment. And until they have leadership at the top in a front office, coaching staff that's accountable, it's going to be an embarrassment. And we're going to talk about in the next segment what the team needs actual on the field to help them win in 2019. And there are some pieces on this team. There is some hope, but you, you, you've got to have a coach and you've got to have a quarterback. Case Keenum is not the quarterback to bring this team far into the playoffs. And I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that one. He's just not the guy. So what's the option there? Is it, is it the draft? Free agent? Yeah, we're going to talk about that as well. We're also going to talk about a bit around the NFL. What's going on? Who's winning? Who's going to the playoffs? who we are rooting against, as I posted on Twitter the other day. Now that we have no hopes for our team, we're practicing a little bit of schadenfreude, you know, that that pleasure of other people's pain. Yeah, I know it sounds a little sadistic, but I mean, come on, everyone agrees with me. Who, who does not love watching the New England Patriots lose? The, the, the Dallas Cowboys get shut out by Andrew Luck. I love it. I love it so much. 
And who are the teams that I'm rooting for this year now that the Broncos are out of it? It's a good question. I mean, I, I, I've, I've always liked Andrew Luck. I've always liked Andrew Luck. I, I think he's a stand-up guy. I think he's a great quarterback. And I think that team is, is going places. They're really going places. They may not even make the playoffs this season, but I hope they do. They're a team that, I mean, they have a kind of a crazy owner, but boy, they, they, they put something together this year. Watch out for Indianapolis next year. If Andrew Luck stays healthy, that offensive line is, is about the best in football all of a sudden. Watch out for Indianapolis. They're a team I like. I tell you the team that, that is really interesting that I think the Broncos should try to you know, become is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are, are really based around a really good defense and a young, cheap quarterback who doesn't make mistakes and a young offensive head coach. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that that is the trend in the NFL of what works. Offensive head coaches, cheap young quarterbacks who you can build the team around because they don't cost much, and at least something else. So if the something else is a, is a great running game, if it's a great defense, Heck, if the Broncos could have both, that again, that's why we should have some hope. This team is 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 it is a few pieces or many pieces away, but it has some really good pieces. It has some even Hall of Fame pieces. Vaughn Miller, Chris Harris Jr., Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. Those are guys you can really build around. Cortland Sutton. But you've got to go out and have a fantastic draft like you did in 2018. And you must bring stability back to the Denver Broncos. All right, for the last segment, before we discuss who the Broncos should focus on and what positions they should focus on, also who they're losing to free agency, um, I want to talk a little bit around the NFL, uh, what's going on. It's pretty interesting uh, after New England lost to Pittsburgh on a two and a back-to-back losses for New England, which is pretty unusual under Bill Belichick. New England is now nine and five and has not clinched a playoff berth. That's pretty wild with two games left. I don't know the last time we've said that. New England is 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 not looking great for a first round bye. And boy, I mean, I guess they are right now. What are they? A game? Yeah, they're a game behind Houston for that first round bye. So right now, Kansas City and Houston would both be off the first round if the playoffs started right now. And New England has not looked very good. I mean, their offense looks stagnant. Uh, they had that one big play to Hogan. Unfortunately, I had Julian Edelman, and he didn't do much like my entire fantasy football team, who lost me the semifinals because they suck. Um, at least, at least New England lost. The rest of the AFC. Pittsburgh is is half a game ahead of Baltimore. Um, they had a huge the huge win again in New England. Uh, Baltimore's odd. I mean, the whole quarterback who who doesn't really pass but only runs the ball, and the team is averaging something like 240 yards rushing a game in I think the five games he started, which is insane. I still think people are going to figure out Baltimore, but they have. That team that, whoa, that I would not want to face Baltimore. They have a great defense and a really good run running attack. That's that is playoff football. And I think they they I don't think they're gonna go far because you still have to have a quarterback who can make big plays. And I don't think Jackson's a guy who's there yet, but they'd scare me. They would scare me. 
Houston somehow finds ways to win. I think Watson's good. I think they, they're a, a solid team. Houston is a team that they don't make a lot of mistakes. They, they run the ball fairly well. They have a good defense. They have a good quarterback. And that's another that's another good way to win. I mean, they're, they're a team that they don't do anything great, but they do a lot of things really well. And, and Bill O'Brien has done a really good job as head coach over there. And and they have a chance to have a, have a bye in the first week. And boy, you couldn't ask much more of that, especially when New England does that I don't know what, what they've done it 10 out of 12 years, I believe. Now, Kansas City and, and the LA Chargers, they are the only two teams in the AFC to have clinched the playoffs. Interesting because they're, they're both in the same division. Shows you again how bad, how tough Denver's uh, schedule was this year, having had to face Kansas City and the Chargers twice, though they did beat the Chargers uh, at home. Barely, but still. Um Interestingly enough that they're tied right now, 11 wins and three losses, but Kansas City holds the tiebreaker at the moment. So the Chargers have to somehow, um, I think the Chargers have to win out or Kansas City has to lose the game, etc. So I've been saying all season that I think the Chargers are a better team, a better all-around team than Kansas City. And I, I think it's going to prove true. I, I don't think I, I, Patrick Mahomes is a freakish athlete. I think he's a really great quarterback. I wish he was on my team, but he makes too many of those weird, crazy throws across his body and across the field. And eventually they're going to start catching up to him. I, I, I don't think that's something you can always get away with, especially in the playoffs. And a guy who makes takes so many risks, sometimes it works. Look at, I mean, Brett Favre, John Elway, even sometimes it works, but a lot of times it costs you. And then, and eventually, I think these quarterbacks figure out that you kind of have to play safe and have a running game and a good defense, and that that's typically what wins you games in the playoffs. You can't make mistakes, and I think Mahomes is on his way to doing that. Kansas City is not going to win this season. Now, that could definitely be proven wrong, but that's what I'm going to say right now. So the, the other teams, Dallas is 8-6. and six. You know, who cares about the NFC East? They're all terrible, pretty much. Um, Chicago, we're going to talk about in a minute. New Orleans, 12-2. and two. Their offense has somehow disappeared in the last games, but their defense is, is somehow really good. So watch out for New Orleans. And also with the LA Rams, they've, they've kind of disappeared in the last couple of weeks, lost two straight games. And um, their offense has really been dominated in the last uh, two losses. Um, the Bears, again, are the team that I would like to, to become if I'm the Denver Broncos. So watch for the Bears. Watch what they do. Uh, Bill Nagy as a, as the young head coach, I think he's doing a great job. They took over a team that John Fox had kind of helped build into respectability, just like he did with the Broncos, but could never get over the edge because he's way too conservative. He's a guy who just does not coach to win. And it's the same thing that people are complaining about with Vance Joseph, this last game where he didn't go for it on fourth down, whatever you want to believe in that. Um, fans especially want a coach who just goes out of his way to try to win, and Bill Nagy seems to be doing the right things. And Mitchell Trubisky is a good example of a young quarterback who didn't have, it wasn't highly regarded. I mean, especially after his first season, people thought he was a, he was a really overreach in the draft. Um, but he's looking like he's a guy who could really lead a franchise, and he's potentially the, the greatest Chicago quarterback of all time. Um, anyway... I apologize. My, my voice is really kind of leaving me today. I don't know if I'm getting sick or what, but um, the positions for the team that they're going to need to fix. First of all, the free agents. Um, you have Veld here, uh, Peko, Brock, 
Shaq Barrett, Matt Paradis, Shane Ray, Turner, Bradley Roby, uh, Zach Kerr, Max Garcia, and Hoyerman. So some big guys, uh, especially a couple guys in the offensive line, Valdir and Paradis are really the two guys who were much of anything besides Ron Leary. And Leary has that tough injury that you you only hope he can come back from. Those big guys, when they get foot injuries, that it can really be a struggle. So I hope he comes back. I think he's a good offensive lineman, good guard. And Paradis, another guy, he, he snapped his leg. So, I mean, I hope that's a, that's a something he comes back from easily. I, I think it's usually easier to come back from a broken bone rather than a torn Achilles or something. But we'll see. And, and they have to sign him. And he's a guy who's earned a big contract. And I don't know if this team can afford giving a center a big contract. But they have a lot of cap space. Um, you know, Demarius Thomas is off the books. You have a couple guys like Shane Ray who are getting off the books. Uh, Roby is probably gone. So you have a real issue on offensive line, and I think defensive line is going to struggle a little bit. You're losing Zach Kerr, uh, Kerr, sorry, you're losing uh, Peko, unless again you re-sign them. But these are guys who are unrestricted free agents, and so I've heard people say that the defensive line is a big plus for this team, but they are going to have to rebuild it again because they're all leaving practically. So you, I think you're still going to have uh, Wolf there. You're still going to have Gotsis, but I don't think they've been two of the best guys on the defensive line. I think some of your best guys have been Kerr, who's a, just a monster inside, and of course my favorite, Shelby Harris, who is a uh, restricted free agent this season. I, I would bet the Broncos re-sign him, um, at least for the season, because he's been so good and under a fairly affordable contract. So we'll see what do they do with him, but, but there are a lot of positions they're going to need to upgrade. And as we talked about before, there aren't that many groups that are that successful. The, the Broncos really need to focus on, you know, the defensive back position because when you have a pass rush like the Broncos do, which is maybe the best in the league, one of the best in the league for sure, with um, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, you have to have cornerbacks who are going to take advantage of that pass rush because they have to work together or teams are just going to do what the Oakland Raiders did. I mean, you know, with Carr, what was he – 22 of 24 passing because they just quickly, you know, they quickly made these passes right off the line because the cornerbacks weren't able to, to, I don't know, to press them well enough. Now the Broncos eventually figured it out, but the cornerbacks have been a problem uh, in all season. They've given up a ton of yards. Um, they've had a couple big picks, uh, but Bradley Roby's not the guy. I, I'm just not a believer in Bradley Roby, as I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast knows I, I don't think he's someone you want on this team. If anything, maybe like a number four cornerback or something, but not someone you build around. Chris Harris Jr., man, it's a tough injury. I, boy, I hope he comes back at the beginning of this season, but I don't know. I mean, I mean, they're saying, I mean, he should be, but you, you hope that someone like that is the same. I mean, a guy who who's on that really difficult position as a, as a um, slot cornerback, you, you have to have so much agility in your legs, and I hope he comes back. I, I love the guy. He's, he's about my favorite Bronco, and we'll, we'll see. And, and I've heard some, uh, I think it was the SB Nation mock draft for 2019, had the Broncos at the number 12 pick drafting cornerback Byron Murphy, uh, a guy who is highly regarded coming out of college. And some people even say he's the number one uh, cornerback in, in, in the draft. So if you get the number one cornerback, at number 12, that would be a big boon. And I think that I know the MHR guys really, really liked uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of mock drafts having the Broncos select a quarterback, but not many people are in love with this draft. 
in regards to quarterback. So I, I think they stay with, with Case Keenum for another season. I know that doesn't make many people happy, but when you don't have any other options, it's kind of what you have to do. And, and likely, since Vance Joseph is probably fired, you're going to bring in an, another coach. And if you bring in a veteran coach, they're going to totally shake up the system. Just imagine if they brought in Mike Shanahan. I mean, you, you go in a rebuild, I think. And, and so if you bring in someone like Mike Shanahan, and not Mike Shanahan, but someone similar, they're, they're going to want to change the system one way or another. If it's on defense, uh, change it back to a 3-4. Or if it's on offense, you know, a, a zone blocking scheme rather than a power blocking scheme. You've got to mix things up again, and that requires time. And so you're going to have to rebuild. It, it's just almost never happens that you bring in a coach, and he immediately fits with the, the personnel on the team, and, and they go on and win. Now, Gary Kubiak... And Wade Phillips were able to do that. They, they they inherited a talented team. Wade Phillips is probably the best in football at working with the talent that he's given and at mixing things up, especially for the first few seasons he's the defensive coordinator. And he was he was really the reason why that team was successful. I, I don't think anyone denies that. So I think Wade Phillips leaving is a big reason why the players were upset with Joe Woods and Vance Joseph, and that's not their fault. The coaches were put in a bad position because they were replacing two guys who were legends for the Denver Broncos. And that's never good. And, and that's part of why I think Vance Joseph had such a bad rap from the beginning because he was replacing Gary Kubiak, who's a legend. He was replacing with Joe Woods, you know, Wade Phillips, who is one of the most beloved people in Denver, no, no less defensive coordinators. And so they never really had a chance. And that's brutal when when you're replacing someone who's a legend, it so rarely works. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers did it, but, but, name another. I mean, in coaching or in, as players, it's rare. I mean, Brian Greasy for John Elway. Yeah, that didn't work. I mean, because you have such high expectations, you're usually not given any rope. You're not giving any any time to succeed. And, and, and we're seeing that with Vance Joseph and Joe Woods and Bill Musgrave. Yes, they haven't been successful, but because of their, you know, the schedule, because of the injuries, because of, you know, et cetera, they, they were dealt a tough hand. And yes, they're all going to be fired. I, I believe that firmly now. But I, I feel bad for them. I do. I, I don't think they're perfect coaches, especially Vance Joseph. But I think that they were not given the best possible chance to win. I, I don't think they were. They weren't given the talent. They had a tough schedule. They had a mess in ownership in front office. And, and I hope that all three of them go and have success elsewhere. I do. I, I think... They are talented guys who I think have a chance at being something in the league. Maybe it's just as a defensive coordinator for Vance Joseph. Maybe it is. Maybe he's not a leader of men. But the fact that you know fans come out here and say he's not a leader, that he doesn't bring this team you know to the right position to win, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that I, I don't think you can just say that. At least you can't just say something like that and, and have everyone believe that it's true when you're not in the locker room. I mean, I don't think the team quit on him ever. I, I don't. I mean. If you're telling me that the team quit on him against the 49ers, that's a joke. Come on, the team doesn't quit on any coach when you have a chance for the playoffs. I don't care who you are. I don't care. You don't quit on a coach when you have a chance for playoffs. And for, I mean, when you're playing on a playoff team, you're, you're going to make more money the next season. You have more more veto power. You have more you know trading power. You, you gain everything. And also, not just that, not just personally, you're also on a winning team. That's what everyone plays for. I mean, most players, some players just play for a for the paycheck, but most players pay, play for winning. And so they did not quit on their coach against the 49ers. They just didn't have enough talent. And yes, okay, Vance Joseph made mistakes, but they didn't quit on him. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a, 
it's not fair. It's, it's totally not fair to say that about him. And, and the, the hate, the vitriol against him is not fair. I don't like it. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't know, appreciate or enjoy Denver Broncos fans right now. Most, I, I don't. And I think, honestly, most fans are, are, are being lazy. They're being lazy. And, and I, I think that's the same case with, with most reporters. Most people in the media, are, are, they're being lazy. They're blaming everything on this team on one guy. They're saying, "Hey, that 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 fourth down, he should when he kicked it, he should have gone on fourth down, and that cost him the game." It's just simply not true. Maybe it was a bad call. Okay, I don't even disagree. I would have gone forward on fourth down, but you know what? The the defense eventually did stop Cleveland, and Case Keenum did have a chance to win the game with over a minute forty five left in the game. So, in the end, Vance Joseph was right. They had a chance to get in field goal position and win. So stop acting like this is the end of the world. It's just, it's, it's cheap. It's lazy. It's lazy. Okay. And I, I blame a lot of people for being lazy. I totally respect everyone at MHR. I think that they know more about football. They've forgotten more about football than I will ever know. And that's absolutely true. But I think at times you get this group think and you get this, this laziness of just being able to say it's all his fault. I hate him. This guy, Vance. Oh. And you know what? It's not that simple. We have to own up as fans and say, hey, you know what? We're farther away than just a coach. We're it's not just a coach. It's not just, hey, bring in another coach and Super Bowl. Nope. No, it's not. So, you know, I think we need to sit back, look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, what does this team need? Let's hope that they figure it out. But until they do, we have plenty to talk about. And of course, we'll be back next week after who knows what's going to happen against Oakland. Let's hope they don't lose three embarrassing games in a row, but I wouldn't put it past them at this point. Either way, we will have plenty to talk about. And I hope you're right back with us next week. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.